started to slow down. And if you know me, that doesn't happen very often. I have OCD, depression, and severe anxiety. And somehow they still got me up here. But I used exercise as my escape. But because 2020 wasn't hard enough, I had to have back surgery in September. I was in a lot of pain, so I'm glad I did it, but I still can't exercise. I felt imprisoned in my own body. So when I first started the process, words like letting go and release had come to mind. After a long day of prayer, scripture, research, and talking to our wonderful pastors, John and Michelle, I had this image of chains that I just couldn't shake. I then came across Psalm 107:14, which reads, He brought them out of the darkness, utter darkness, and broke away their chains. This idea that I'm not alone and that this situation doesn't define me. What does is the freedom to choose that this doesn't define me. I can't express how thankful I am for y'all to let us use this space to work through this process and to borrow your pastor and praise band this weekend. So thank you. Well, good morning. I am so happy and excited to be here with you. Um, I'm not going to let the fact that uh, as a college minister, I've had uh, a couple of nights of not going to bed till after midnight because of good ministry. And here we are early on a Sunday morning. We are here. My name is John Weaver. I am the director and one of the campus ministers at the Wesley Foundation of Middle Tennessee. Uh, this is your campus ministry. We are not a partner and an extension of this church, and we celebrate the incredible ways that we get to have life together. And on a personal note, I think most of you know, like this is actually where my family and I, it's where we attend. It's where we are being disciples of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus Christ. But this morning, um, we've had some good times to be able to walk through one word. We have some good times to be in this space uh, and use the, use the building. But it made me really think back to something. Uh, I was uh, a college student at Tennessee Tech. I was part of the Wesley Foundation there. But my college experience was a little bit different than most because at the age of 19, I got appointed to be the lead pastor at two small churches outside of Tennessee. To this day, it is only by the grace of God that those churches are still standing, not burned down. Like, it's incredible. At 19, I, you know, just did what I could do all the time, just the best I could. And one of the things that uh, happened in kind of as a rhythm is that um, I learned quickly, if you remind great church people that you are a college student and that you are poor and that you like They will bring you good food. So it was a pretty common occurrence for me to talk about how poor I was. And the line that I use so much is that I'm so poor, I can't even pay attention. And I, there was one Sunday morning, or a few Sunday mornings in a row where I had, I was getting my cycle down. I was getting my rhythm down. And I was even kind of targeting like, oh man, I heard Miss So-and-so makes really good mashed potatoes. I'm going to go see what this can happen here. And I, I said this joke over and over again. I'm so poor, I can't even pay attention. I'm so poor, I can't pay attention. And about three or four weeks into this, uh, 
this sweet little girl named Katie who was part of our church. Katie at this time was about five years old. Katie came up at the end of the service and she just opened her hand and had this little crinkled dollar. And she said, Pastor, I know it's not much and it's all I have, but I want you to be able to pay attention. Now, I only cried a little when I took her dollar and put it in my pocket. But she wanted me to make sure that I could pay attention. I got to be honest with you. I I sometimes feel like I'm still too poor to pay attention, not because of resources or, or lack of privilege, but I sometimes feel as though paying attention is something I don't have the ability to pay. To be honest, I struggle with paying attention, not in a deficiency way, but in a focused way, an intentional way. I struggle because there's so many things to pay attention to. I hide, I retreat into frivolous things, I get super hyper-focused on things, or I have a thousand priorities at one time. This season of pandemic, the season of COVID, this season should be one that could afford some space to become more aware, to be able to pay more attention, but I haven't paid more attention. I've just had more distractions, I think. This space of pandemic is so difficult, and I have appreciated that as a church and this weekend with our college students, that we have had an opportunity to pay attention to something. Uh, one of the things I wanna, I've been paying attention to from, from this series and from this weekend is it's the words from, I believe, uh, J.D. Walt, who talks about uh, who gets the, first, the most words in our life, who gets the first word, the last word, whose words are heaviest in our lives. I would ask, if nothing else today, in these next few days, these next few weeks, these next few months, let's pay attention to those questions. Who gets the most words in our lives? Who or what gets the first word in our day, the last word in our day? Whose words weigh heaviest in our heart? Whose words are so difficult to shake? I have celebrated the one word for this. This is my second year to be in this one word. And I've celebrated that this is a space to stop, to listen, to engage God and what God's trying to say and to honestly be transformed. I've appreciated this process and this time to be intentional. I think we have to recognize that God's word And our one word is about transformation and not information. Last year, my word was breathe. That became a a very powerful word in last year. Anything from uh, a moment at the beginning of a year where I wanted to find rest and I wanted to be able to still be still with God. Then I began to see my word in the news when George Floyd was unable to breathe. And then not long, it was that being able to breathe became such a big part of our lives when the pandemic of a respiratory illness hits, breath began to look different. 
And then by the end of the year, with all the changes, all the loss, learning the new, I had to find myself able to breathe, to connect. There was a God living and dwelling in me. This year, as I began the process, there's a piece of scripture that came to me, and this piece of scripture is from Exodus chapter 3. Michelle Ogier-Wallace, our associate director and the other campus minister, is going to come and read this so you get a break from my voice. But Exodus 3 is, uh, you know, our, our holy scripture kind of has two parts to it. There's an Old Testament or Hebrew Bible, and there's a New Testament. Exodus is at the beginning of the Old Testament. This is specifically the calling of Moses and Moses being sent. So this is Exodus chapter 3, starting with verse 1. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see... God called, out of him, called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. As we ask for God to bless the reading and the hearing of God's holy word, I can't help but always love that story with Moses. And if, you know, you've probably read that, you've seen the Ten Commandments, you've seen the Prince of Egypt, we have, a, we have an image of what that looks like. There are so many powerful things happening in this place in Holy Scripture. The power of God seeing God's people in pain and moving, God speaking to an individual to be able to cause great change, God calling and sending Moses, the, the importance of holy grounds. And how we need to be there and find it and sometimes just take our shoes off and be in holy ground. The idea of that, that Moses, who was aware of what was happening, who didn't fully understand, but he did fully invest. I think God calls me to that pretty often. I don't understand. But I need to invest. And then Moses being told, Go. All of these things in this scripture help lead me to my word for this year. My word for this year is present. Just present. Last year, my word breathe, I think, was a word of comfort for me. It was a word that I could return to, to, to catch my breath. It was a word to be able to have as a place that when my soul was drowning, this year, I, I got to be honest with you, I think God is doing something different with my one word. And I'll go ahead and tell you, I'm not happy about it. My word this year is 
hope, present. It's a word of conviction. I think, and for me, it looks like a, a few things. The first of which is to be present and not check out or overlook things. Specifically, I, this word started really coming in the last, like, like a week and a half ago. And I even noticed myself as I was working through this notion of being present, how often it is that somebody in my life has to interrupt me because I've got my phone in my hand. And it really got me, just, just being honest, it really got me when I missed an exciting piece of news from one of my sons because I was too busy trying to read a news article. The Lord said, be present. It also comes to me, not just in being present or to check out or to overlook, but to be present in letting go of the past. Anybody else have a problem with that? And and not only to let go of the past, it helps me, and asks me to connect with God's future. Or maybe, I gotta be honest with you, in the last day, I spent more time just continuing to dive in the word present. This wasn't even in my notes from this earlier this week. But really, I think maybe God's asking me to let go of my future both the future and the past are in God's beautiful and glorious hands and God is moving in ways that I can't imagine. And God is asking me not to dwell in the past, not to try to just control, embrace, create, manufacture my and our future, but instead God is saying, just be present. Let go of what was, let go of what will be because what was and what will be is me. But also, this word is working in me to remind me that, that every day is a gift. It's a present. And to not treat my day as something that can be lost or missed, something that can be forgotten or foregone, but is a thing that we can have a moment that each day, each moment is a gift. Maybe the pandemic has taught us something. But I'll just go ahead and tell you, I, this, this one word process and, and, and these last few weeks of our series together has asked me to also be present to a few things from this series. And this, these are things I would offer you, things that we need to be present for in the weeks to come. First, God is still revealing things. Yes, I, I, God is still speaking and talking and working. God is still revealing things and often more than we ever can see or handle. My small group, and Jonathan's part of that group, I, my small group, we actually got talking about that a little bit of, in our prayer request, like, Lord, I, we just want the Lord to be really clear with us. And yes, don't get me wrong, a burning bush every now and then, Lord, would be cool, be fantastic. But I, I gotta be honest with you, that God is still revealing things. And if I to pay attention, cooler things than burning bushes out there. In fact, one of my friends who I went to school with in seminary, he's a rabbi. He often tells this story about this piece of scripture that, that in the Jewish tradition, when Moses gets done talking to God at the burning bush, Moses begins to have that thought saying, why is God just now getting a hold of me? I've been here. And then he turns and he looks across the desert and there are hundreds of burning bushes that he had walked past on to the burning bush. Maybe God is revealing and revealing and revealing and revealing. Are we paying attention? 
I would also say something to be present to in this, this season and as we fall and we come from this place of one word is this notion of living out the word is so vitally important. It's to me the difference between a, uh, as Trey would say, the difference between uh, a new year's resolution and a new revelation for the year. The difference of those two things is living it out. There's a, a great story about early, like early on in the Christian faith, uh, some of the Christian, early Christians, mo- early fathers and mothers of Christian faith said, you know what, in order to live this faith out well, we're gonna go out in the desert and we're gonna live there separated from temptations and we're gonna pray, we're gonna read, we're gonna study, we're gonna live out the word of God. And they separated out and they became known as these Christians with incredible wisdom and power and insight and people would pilgrim, have a pilgrimage to go see them. This one early pilgrim would travel thousands of miles to come and be at the feet of one of these early church fathers. And all he said was, Father, give me a word. And the early father literally just gave him one word. The man got up, he went to his home, and, and a decade had passed, and he came back, and he said, Father, give me a word. Father gave him one word and he went home and he lived it. And a decade passed and our young man came back now a little more seasoned and aged. He said, Father, give me a word. And the early father gave him a word. But then the father said, stop. You've been coming here for almost a generation now, only wanting a word. Why do you only come for one word every 10 years? And this young man said it's because it's all I can live out and it's hard enough. Living out the word is hard, it's hard enough. Which leads me to the last thing, which is what I would ask you to be present to. Be present to having a stretch team. Be present to the people that are already in your lives or the people that you need in your life to help you live out your one word or the word the best it can be. Those people for me are my family, my church, my small group, my students at Wesley. I learn from them so much more than they learn from me. It's brothers in Christ like Trey. It's having opportunity to find people who will stretch me and make sure that my word is not just a group of letters on a piece of paper. They help us pay attention. Years ago when I was in college, we had a mission trip to Real Foot Ministries, like the like northwest corner of Tennessee. And during there for a week, and we had built things, and we had done things. And about the end of the week, um, the director of the ministry came and said, we've got this little guy who lives out by himself, and he, all of his heat for the winter comes from him chopping his own wood. And he, he they just, they, they kind of came to me, like, really calmly, like, he's kind of, He's kind of odd, and you're not only a big guy, but you grew up on a farm, so we figured that maybe we could just send you to be helpful. Looking back on this, they probably shouldn't have sent me by myself. But as I went out and drove to meet this guy as he was shopping, when I walked up and he just had, Lord, y'all, he had just the biggest pile of, t- of trees that he had cut down and was getting ready for the for the winter. And he and I, he had he knew I was coming, so. So he had an ax and a pile of wood, and I had an ax and a pile of wood, 
and we started working. And you know, I, I know this might surprise y'all, but I was trying to like engage a conversation while we were working. I know it might surprise y'all, but I was ready there to like, let's talk about, let's talk about our faith. That's what I'm here for. Chopping wood secondary. Well, it was primary for him. And we were chopping wood and we were working. Y'all, I grew up on a farm. I know how to work. And I was working. I was working it and I was moving. And every time I looked over, that guy was just sitting on a stump. But I was working. But then every time I look over, every so often, I look over and his pile was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I was getting frustrated. I was like, no old man's going to beat me with this. It was like John Henry. I was like fired up. I got harder and harder. I didn't even stop for lunch. I just kept rolling and rolling. And every time I look over, that man's pile was getting bigger, but he was always sitting down. It was so frustrating. At the end of the day, I mean, y'all, I was like, my, you could, like my clothes were drenched in sweat. At the end of the day, he's got this massive pile, and my pile was definitely second place out of two. I looked over and said, how did this happen? You were sitting down all morning. You were sitting down and had the longest lunch and you sat down this afternoon. How in the world did this happen? I've been working and doing something the entire time. And he smiled and said, you weren't really paying attention. Because while you, while I was sitting there, I was sharpening my ax. The word of God is an incredible thing that caused transformation and fruitfulness in our lives. But we need people, we need spaces, and we need opportunity to sharpen the ax from time to time. So I ask you, what are you gonna pay attention to in this season? How might you sharpen your ax? How might you see how God is revealing things to you? How are you gonna live out the word? How are you gonna have a stretch team? One you can hold accountable to that they can hold you accountable. Where are you going to put your effort, your resources, your time? Where are you going to put your attention? Starting today. Unfortunately, we have a holy act that, a, that is there to grab our attention. We have a holy act called communion. When you came in, you were given little cups. That holy act is an invitation to look in. To look in and recognize the things that God is up to. Look in to recognize the things that are not of God in your life. It's an opportunity to look in and see the beautiful and wonderful beloved creation of God. It is also an opportunity for you to look up and hear these words. This is my child, my beloved, in whom I'm well pleased. This is where we get to look up and hear and the reminder that we have been forgiven and transformed in the name of Jesus Christ, this is an opportunity for us to look up and know that we are part of the redemption of the cosmos. And this Holy Communion is an invitation for us to live out the grace of Jesus Christ starting now. It's a chance for us to look in, to look up, to live out the word of God. I invite you uh, 
to have your cups ready and to hear this prayer of a blessing as we receive these things together. Will you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, the word that you have placed upon us, this world, and this act of communion is a word of grace, is, is a word that reminds us that there are things in our lives and things in this world that are not of you. So Lord, we confess to you that we have loved you with our whole hearts. We confess to you that we have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. And we confess, oh God, that we have not paid attention. But in the name of Jesus Christ, you remind us that we are forgiven. And that you die for us while we're yet sinners. That proves your love, oh God, to us. We ask now that through the incredible grace of Jesus Christ, grace that you remind us, remind us, oh God, release us, oh God, to be reminded that your grace not only forgives, but gives us the power to change. So Lord, we you bless all of these gifts, both the bread and the cup, may they be for us the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And may we, O oh God, be blessed so that we can be the body of Christ, ready to help transform this world. We ask that you pour out your Holy Spirit upon this holy act and pour out your Holy Spirit upon us as we remember the words that Christ taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is the bread of Christ broken for you. This is the cup shed for you. And take, eat, and do this in remembrance of me.